Before we begin, a content warning. This episode will include discussions of a viral flu pandemic. You are being watched. The government has a secret system. A podcast that recounts every episode of Person of Interest. I know, because we made it. We designed the podcast to continue our bullshit, but we see everything. Random numbers of the week. People like you. Episodes the average viewer deems irrelevant. You wouldn't watch it, so we did. But I needed partners. Someone who had never watched this before. Hunted by weirdos on the internet, we record in secret. We will never find them. But, newbie or diehard, if your episode's up, we will find you. Hello, and welcome to the library for interest. This is a rewatch podcast for person of interest featuring two veteran operatives and one newly initiated. My name is Justin and joining me are my two my veteran operative Jude and our new recruit Anna. Jude, Anna, how you doing? I'm okay. <laughs> I don't know. Look. Recording of the night and I forgot to. It's our second recording of the night and I literally just forgot what number we recorded. Like that's, that's where I'm yeah. at today. <laughs> To vamp for an intro instead of like asking you all how you're doing because we've already asked that tonight. Um, so last week I went to LA and I have a weird recommendation oh. for a stop. Um, so I visited the Museum of Jurassic Technology. Wait, what? Um, so it is a, I don't know what they like to describe it, but it is a, uh, it is a museum dedicated to disproven or obsolete technologies amazing so so the uh the the shot seeker uh thing from last episode would go in (laughs) yeah but but stuff that's a little bit more charming like there's there's an entire room that is full of like old superstitions and old wives tales and like miracle cures oh interesting there is one room that is trailer like trailer homes um, and they have a, they, this is the best one t-shirt on this There's a room. There are oil paintings in these room, in this room, and it is of all the Soviet cosmonaut dogs. Oh, wow. Oh, I love that. Yeah, no, I was like, oh, I, my I, heart. I was like, yeah, no, I, I like, they've got, and I got like, I in the room because these are honestly beautiful paintings. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, and it's, it's like, they're, they're just portraits, like these dogs. I don't know if they're, I didn't know if they were like done by somebody afterwards or something, but it's like, they're like portraits of like Laika and the other dogs, yeah. which I, they, they had in the gift shop, like a, a shirt about those dogs. And I was like, oh, this is fascinating. And I'm yeah. just like, and you, you go through the museum and at the, at the top of it, they have like this garden with like birds, like like they're like they raise birds in this like garden, and you have tea up in this garden with like pigeons and doves. Nice. That sounds really nice. It's a very weird place, but yeah, um, and it's right across the street from a fantastic bookstore called the Reptobotus. Botus in L.A. I'll check it. Out. <laughs> Yeah, the Rip Bodice. It is a it is a romance 
centric bookstore. That sounds amazing, too. It's a great title. Oh, it was delightful. A great name for a bookstore. All right. All right. Uh, we are covering our last two regular numbers of the week. There will be, I believe, at least one more number. Okay. And that is a special number. Mm. <laughs> um, but tonight is our two last. I mean, like, there, there's meta plus stuff, but these are like the two last, like, regular numbers. Yes. Yeah. So tonight we are doing episodes eight and nine of season five Reassortment and Soto Voce. <laughs> You know what? No. Oh, no. We'll get to that. Yeah, we'll, we get, we'll get there. We'll get there. Don't worry, listeners. We'll get um, yeah. I assume that from the snarkiness of the summary that you did reassortment, so take us away. I did. Uh, so, episode eight, season five, reassortment, was written by Tony Camerino and directed by Kenneth Fink, neither of whom I believe that I have yet again to give a trigger warning for an episode I'm summarizing. It's not their fault that some 15 years after they made this episode, uh, now to have created, Hey Jude, what year is it? It's 22. What year did they do this episode in? Jude, what, what year is it? 16. 20, 2020. <laughs> yeah. Year they made this show. Oh. Uh, whatever. My point is just that they didn't know what they were making. They didn't know that they were making something uncomfortably prophetic when they made it. So I don't blame yeah. them for this. Still sucks. So uh, if you are not down to uh, have a discussion about a pandemic and some nutty stuff about that, uh, please feel free to skip ahead. Uh, Zathras, go ahead and just insert the time code for when things stop being shitty uh, right here. Let's call it 2315. A different kind of shit. Yeah, a different kind of <laughs> shitty. Uh, all right. Now that, um, let's get a short summary because I wanted to watch this episode as fast as humanly possible, so I did not pause nearly as much as I usually do to make notes. Uh, our a plot in this episode is about Samaritan trying to engineer a virus threat that will provoke the need for everyone to draw to a vulnerability to a new avian flu variant. And if they then need to get a vaccine for it, which will allow it to create a database of Putting aside that that's not how vaccines work, I imagine I am not the only one discomforted by the fact that this, the similarity this plot bears to the misspelled rantings of your dim-witted Republican relations and former classmates. On, uh, I could be slightly more expansive on what's going on here. There's a guy that comes back he has moral quandaries. He still commits crimes. There are doctors and people and shit happens. But you don't, I mean, that's the gist of it. I don't, we don't need to get into the details. Honest to Christ. Any more fun. So let's talk about the B plot. Uh, the B plot involves Shaw, who tunnels her way out, Shawshank <laughs> style, stolen straight oh, from uh, Justin. I take no claim yeah, for that yeah. one. No, Anna did it first. Anna did it first. Oh, yeah? Okay. Well, then you both deserve check check, check the was... check the server logs. In all honestly, Michael was the one who said it. Well so. props to Michael, because that is a fantastic title. And it's exactly what happens. She fucking tunnels out and finds discovers that she her facility where she's being held is itself within a prison in Johannesburg. 
Uh, she colludes with another prisoner and manages to break out. She runs into Lambert, who has the unerring stupidity to taunt her with the suggestion that she's still in a simulation. One of the simulations where she has repeated him. She does. Again. It has the most, what are you going to do? Stab me? Stabbing victim. Yeah. Um, so she kills him. Uh, she breaks out of the prison and our last shot of Shaw in the episode is her uh, wearing her uh, stolen guard uniform as she flees into the night, uh, hearing about the break on the radio. Uh, we also have Fusco finally standing up for himself uh, as he more or less tells John to fuck off into the sun by asking to get a new partner and transfer to a new team. Uh, and he th- camera that they have put on his desk. So there you go. Harold spent so long making that Fosco. They didn't. Treat yeah. Him well, you can't. You cannot simply give one gift. Maintain a relationship. You have to have continual. You have to continually demonstrate caring. You cannot simply do one thing and then expect you can't, that. You can give somebody a, a like camera to spy on them on their desk and then keep them in the dark about everything while endangering their life repeatedly. No. Mm. Uh, no, you cannot. <laughs> yeah, it is totally understandable that Fusco is like fed up. I made very few notes on this episode. Um, <laughs> but I there are two specific points uh that I would about this episode. The first is that really just one is that <laughs> the fact we look at this episode and it's clear that like Samaritan is deeply embedded within the United States. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And presumably, Canada is equally fucked. C- Canada seems like the sort of thing that would be easy to, to rope in with similar technology so they can keep up with the United States. And the UK loves the Panopticon. So I'm sure that the UK has bought a similar package uh, and gotten itself a little bit of Samaritan. But, like, is, are we to believe that, like, every country in the world? has bought Samaritan and given it access to its feed or that Samaritan having gotten access to the American feeds is just now like hacking its way into other countries. Or is this show, does Samaritan only care about white people? Like, what are we, what is the implication here that like, you know, it's so question when we start talking about like a global pandemic, but we've only ever really seen Samaritan working in the United States what what the deal is there and it's talking about the great filter it's talking about like the extinction of the human race i mean i have other thoughts about like shaw but that's my that's my that is one of my big beefs with this episode other than the fact that it's it's super uncomfortable i think so i am of i i am of multiple thoughts for this (laughs) the first is that i believe that a cbs procedural is maybe not where i'm expecting uh wide-ranging thought, including about how uh, especially on a show that shows the CI, like, you know, that paints a rather uncritical eye, uh, uncritical gaze towards the CIA. <laughs> I I think the show is just very American-centric. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yes, I don't think uncritical, this is a, a 
critical thought, not, uh, yeah, but, uh, but I do think Anna, yeah. you had a good point in the notes uh, yeah. or in the comment on this. Yeah. You know, I think just in terms of like, I, I like that as the doyalist explanation. Yeah. But you know, if we're talking about a Watsonian explanation, I think we could have a conversation here about how, like, I, like I was saying previously, like, no, like algorithms and computer systems that aren't inherently unbiased. They're they're biased based off the data that's fed into them. So if they're if Samaritan is being fed a bunch of data that says that white people are important <laughs> and Americans are important. Yeah. The rest of the world isn't that it's going to act based off of that set of biases that's been fed into it, and yeah. like etc. May not even realize that that's what they're feeding oh. Samaritan. I mean, they probably do too because Greer is yeah Greer is an ex MI six operative <laughs> feeding information or, or selling a surveillance system to the Department of Homeland Security. There is so much like bias baked into here <laughs> in cookies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, I could absolutely see where just based off of the data the Samaritan was trained on, it could easily come to the conclusion that like we should keep America, the rest of the world is expendable. <laughs> Basically. I personally also assume that a, it probably is hacking into systems to get information elsewhere. Yeah. Um, B, probably it's probably it's operating off of U.S. intelligence on other countries, which is yet another layer of bias. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like I'm headcanon an explanation to make it less shitty. I think it's almost more sensible. There's a le- there's a, a pretty amount of bias going on here. Yeah. Yeah. It's an, it's an interesting case. Like we have both reasonable, you know, Watsonian and Doyleist explanations for yeah. this. I mean, we, yeah, we also have the, like you, you mentioned, Samaritan is a eugenicist machine. Yeah. We know that overpopulation is, frankly, a it it, it is a white supremacist, like yeah, it's used by eco fascists, yeah, uh, who are you know trying to reinforce their the answer is not that there are too many people. It is that resources are distributed unequally to support the people that we have. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and you know, yeah, Samaritan's a eugenics machine, and like yeah, that that gets into its you know how it's reacting to the great fil- how it's preparing for the great filter that its solution is yeah you know, well kill off a whole bunch of the population and you know and. Retroactively, this absolutely explains what we had, you know, episodes again ago um, mm-hmm. with the like researcher. Yeah, which made no sense then, and only marginally makes more sense now. But it's something. Yeah. What, what an uncomfortable episode. Yeah, it's in in the year of our Lord COVID twenty. Uh, the whole like an AI cooked up uh, a pandemic so that it could create a DNA database sounds so much like something that you would read in a rambling Facebook post 
that like you almost yeah. don't even want to fucking Ugh. cover it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, and I'm not even thinking about that. I'm thinking about watching everybody in that hospital and yeah, like that too. Yeah. Like the fact that the, the dude comes in with like influenza arm and the people are treating him and they're not wearing masks. Mm-hmm. And like Yeah. And and the I get what you um about like, you know, that the, the kind of meta plot aspect of this is very uncomfortable. But like Watching things play out in the hospital was both like it was like distressingly realistic. Yeah, yeah. Like that, you know. It's only everybody is absolutely exposed that they're like, oh wait, we should get masks, etc. And like, uh. it took. Yeah, it's like they get fifteen minutes into a pandemic before masks start getting handed out. Yeah, and like. <laughs> Just sitting there, like yelling screen of like, for God's sake, Ugh. yeah, it's a whole ride. Yeah, I I do on on funnier notes with Shaw, I Mr. Jeremy, I can't like Jeremy. That's what his name. By the way, the two Samaritan operatives, one the British dude is named Mr. <laughs> um, and the other dude, this this operator that who's an ex-con that uh samaritan has work hire agency um he has his own thing going on in this episode where he tries to hook up with an old flame again and the old flame was like yeah we dated for like three months in high school this is a little weird um but sure i'll give you a chance i guess which (laughs) okay um but like, there, there's a thing of like well all like or she recites statistic and it's like oh yeah three out of five pearls again within a year and i'm like yeah because recidivism in crime is mostly due to the terrible hurt conditions that parolees have right because like if you make it so that these people can't have chips or a job or a home then like yeah yeah it's but anyways jeremy saying like you know like he's like it's a simulation what are you gonna do she will just reset it shaw's like Shaw is basically the. Do you think I'm not having fun with this? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, even if my life is hell, I can shoot you as many times as I want. Yeah, you don't tell a <laughs> functional psychopath to to like functional psychopath. You don't dare you. Yeah, under any circumstances, because she'll do it just because. What a yeah! What an absolute goddamn yutz! He had that coming, and he deserved it. Well. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, it's also simulation matters, so, like, why should you do anything? And she's like, all right, if it's all simulation, nothing matters, then I'll fucking shoot you because that's fun. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, you, you literally chose the worst conversation choices. Yeah. I, this is like, it is the definition is like of fuck when, around and find out. This is like in Mass Effect 2, and you add more to your crew. <laughs> Uh, which there's a whole thing there, but basically she said, like she she tells your character, "Hey, if we fuck, I will kill you," and like uh, and really say, "Yeah, sure, let's go." Uh, and it's like a build different. That's that's basically your character says, and then you get a game over. That is Jeremy in this situation here, yeah. but without even begging an alien lady here, yeah. 
It's amazing. Yeah. Just Ugh. had to go through that. Just it's just such a specific level of stupid. Yeah, he pisses too high on the leg of death and get and finds out what happens. And <laughs> yeah, there there are some there are some things that I really enjoyed though, like um, like Fusco and Elias doing stuff together. That's fun. Oh um, yeah, that's that's fun. Also, what this this episode also provided a fantastic quote, which is when the hospital guard at like Reese is like. You have to. We have to lock down this whole building, and the hospital guard's like, "Under what authority?" And Don is just like, "The Patriot Act." <laughs> and the guards like shrug. Sounds legit. And we're all just like, "You know what? It probably is." Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Uh, there's also there's you know always love an episode that has a lot of content in it. Um, but there's there's also the the scene with Harold and Lyle really fascinating um where elias is pulls out that like underneath all that intellect you're the darkest of all of us about harold um because i don't think it's actually true but i think it's a great way harold (laughs) yeah um because harold absolutely believes that to be true i like the there's a similar sort of similar bit or i i can't remember which episode it's in where uh Root is sort of gently ribbing Finch saying, you know, for someone who uh, claims to have so much over intelligence, you sure do make a lot of them uh, because he's <laughs> yeah. creating the machine. He then goes on to create like the he resurrects the machine, then makes the mini machine and the mini Samaritan. And it was just very funny to me. Like, it was a very specific dig that, like, really only Root can c- c- yeah. could hit Finch with in a way that would land and matter to him. And I loved it. Yeah. But with it, with it like, you're the darkest of us thing, um, I, I really think that Harold believes that to be true. Um, that he, like, believes that he has this, like, terrible dark core. Um, and And that, like, I think that that influences how he like how he programmed and interacts with the machine but i think i also think that elias is just manipulating him there is a speech we are going to get to in i'm not sure if it's going to be in our next episode or our finale but i wish us in depth all right because there will be a very important uh there's a very important monologue that finch gets yeah Excellent. I look forward to it. I just have one last one last note on this yeah. one, which is yes, yes, the Shaw is out. Yes. I'm I'm so Yeah, I I love that she gets to be a total badass and breaking. Yeah, absolutely. It's wonderful. Yes. All right. For number of the week, I, I want to ask you a question. Uh-huh. <clears throat> In your opinion, what are some dangling plot threads? That like maybe aren't like central to the plot, but that like you're like, hey, I would have loved some checkup on this, or like I would have loved a conclusion to this. Maybe like like off the top of your head. Oh geez. Oh now now I have to think. God damn it. Yeah. But like any numbers you maybe like would have would have wanted to revisit or You know, I Leon. could go for another Leon episode. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. or like another another like Z- something like that, like I 
would have enjoyed checking in on either of those again. Um, you know, there's uh, there's all of like Team Root that I think yeah. that like they've all gone off to their new identities, but it would have been fun to see some of them again. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think that's good. Guess what? We're not getting any of those. <laughs> no, instead we get this. Uh, so I guess I'll take it away here, shall I? <clears throat> yeah. So, episode nine of season five, Sato Voce, written by Sabir Prezada and directed by Malik. Um Notably names we had not seen previously on this show. <laughs> bodes well um so john is investigating a new number a locksmith named terry easton at first it looks like easton may be a perpetrator rather than a victim as he breaks into a building and attempts to plant a bomb reese apprehends him and disables the bomb and brings him to the precinct uh since he believes that this man was being coerced easton admits to john that his wife carla has been kidnapped and will be killed as he is he did not to bomb the building um and recognized the voice of the kidnapper the mysterious threatened that random 911 operator ago in the episode we hated God. meanwhile uh, Fusco has been busy at the precinct as well first with helping other officers book a large group of cartel members and then with interrogating a cab driver named Amir Sadiq um, who was brought in on possession of an unregistered firearm but suspects of being a serial killer but since this is an episode with the voice none of that is actually correct um so first it turns out that the metadata on the kidnapping video was a trap leading john and the swat team to another bomb then eason reserve receives more orders from the voices mole and the nypd to free the cartel members and and you know there's bomb threats that most of the officers out of the precinct leaving only fusco and john and one random dude and then we found out that the cartel members were not actually arrested accidentally. They were sent there to kill Amir. And then the cop who booked who booked them and is the only other cop in this building is also the mole. And also, I know that himself is, wait, 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 just the voice himself. Um, so he's. And he kills Amir and escapes the, t- the precinct. But then he's apprehended by Finch and Elias, uh, who have, uh, by the way, been working together this whole that part's um, to find a bomb ra- find the bomb maker and identify this dude. Elias releases him and then explodes his car once he gets like a block away. Um, God, and I there was much rejoicing. There was much rejoicing, and I love that. Um, over at Elias, and Elias is like, "What? You didn't think that was what was going to happen? You brought me here for a reason, right?" Um, we we do also have a B plot, which, um, yeah, it is. So Root is spying. Yeah, Root is spying on a radio. Is two Samaritan agents being taken out by an unknown shooter? Bots them, and this leads her to Shaw, who's been taking out Samaritan agents one by one. Shaw describes her ordeal in the Samaritan facility and insists that she's a danger to the rest of the team. Unsure of whether she's in the real world or a simulation, she threatens to kill herself to protect them, but aims at her own head in response. If Shaw shoots herself, Root will follow suit. Shaw is surprised and backs down. Um, 
And later, after John gives Fusco the teal deer on the whole machine Samaritan meta plot, and Fusco gets a shiny new yellow box. Very exciting. Uh, team <laughs> all reunite under a bridge. And there was much rejoicing. So, I, <laughs> what I, an episode. Not- We'll talk about the voice stuff, but we're going to talk about Root and Shaw first because that's that's the important part of it. Yeah, I think I think I the priority love... list is Root and Shaw, Elias, and then and then the voice. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely love that the thing simulation got wrong, and that immediately alerts Shaw that maybe this isn't a simulation. That gives her a moment's pause. Is that it didn't accurately predict how fucking crazy into like crazy in love <laughs> dedicated root is to Shaw because all those simulations Shaw kills herself and, and what also root just do? crazy yeah root like or like yeah root like catches her and cries over and all that. but in reality Shaw puts a gun to her head and roots like okay is that what we're doing because I can't live without you so if, if, if you're dead I'm dead too and Shaw's immediately like that's not how this goes that's not it's what happens great. here. Yeah. Um, and I love some of the dialogue in this as well, where Shaw is saying, the person I couldn't was you. In case, ever, in case there was ever any doubt about the reciprocation of those feelings at this point, uh, they, they make it very clear here that like Shaw uh, reciprocates Root's feelings she may not be any good at saying so, but there's definitely, you know, it's there for sure. Yeah. That was my main point is that I wanted to cover was the, the fact that that Samaritan could not model how fucking it is. Specifically how crazy for Shaw. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And this, this definitely like makes me again, want to rewatch, like go back and rewatch um, the simulation episode. And mm-hmm. like look characters very closely. Yeah. It, it, this episode is so wild. There's so much actually good stuff in it. And yet, and yet. Yeah. Yeah. We get like, like there, there's a good, like, Oh, Hey, Elias going out of the world. The first time we find the person who made the bomb that killed his father. Yeah. And it's just dropped it like casually. Right. And, like, we get Elias and Harold going on their own little adventure, and, like, that's super fun. Um, and Elias is like, wait, no, there's a tripwire there, and, like, etc. It's, you know, it's nice seeing them team up. Um, but, uh, like, there's so much good stuff. There's that part. There's you know, Shaw and Root, obviously. There's Fusco being read into the AI plot. Yeah, that part's yet, fantastic. I believe... And yet, to, to, to the the voce of it all, have you all ever watched uh, Wallace and Gromit? Oh, absolutely. Yes. So you remember that you remember that scene? It's infamous. It's like it's a it's a meme on the internet where Gromit is on a tr- on a runaway toy train and he's laying down of him like rapidly <laughs> until he runs out. Yes, that is every betrayal in this a plot yes oh my god like and and that then actually being the voice it's almost good we've already had five twists and you're just like i'm done yeah and you know what 
they've done it before and it was better with Elias. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, and like they're the individual like the sort of like action set piece we have the like assault on precinct thirteen. Yeah. That we have going on here. And but it's just I looked this up and actually the um the writer there's actually two writers for this episode, I believe. It took two fucking people to write this garbage no, 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 episode. Sorry, 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 no. No, 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 sorry, sorry. I I, I want no the, the, the writer of this episode. I, I was so the first thing we thought was who did the original voice episode have like a favorite idea they wanted to bring back? They just want to bring back their blurbo. Yeah, and the answer was no, because a diff- two different writers did this. So I was like, okay, has this writer done anything else? And Sabir Pirzada co-wrote this episode with the writer of QSO, wrote the episode with the, the therapist. So I'm like, don't, it's just such a weird episode. Yeah. This, so it like, should be noted. POI got the in the news that they were not getting a full season five order while they were making season five. Yeah. Uh, and so they had to like crunch their season down and wrap it up. So it's not impossible that they had to make this episode that this effort from being put together haphazardly because to assemble yeah. plot and jam all the B plot and C plot in and it's trying to do too much and they're like yeah. who could what plot can we fit in that people won't really care that much about this is going to be a piece of shit episode because we're just trying to bridge the end of the numbers and into the into the final countdown here yeah, but the- so do you want to know something even wilder is that not only was production rushed the airing of these was rushed yeah. Uh, Wild. So so like it's it starts off with like them having uh or if I remember right, I want to make sure I'm getting this right. So starting with episode two, they would air two episodes, they were airing two episodes a week. So like Snafu was May 9th, then Truth Be Told was May 10th, then 6741 was May 16th. Shotseeker was May 17th. Then May 23rd, it's a more perfect union. And then on May 24th, they did two episodes. Wild. At night. So they ran three episodes in one week. <laughs> That's insane. Um, That's in- mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. And yeah, it's full nutter butter, is what it is. Yeah, it, it's wild just how the show is. Uh, that being, I can get if this was like, a, you know, if this was nine of a twenty-two episode season, this I think makes a lot more sense. Yeah, it's like oh hey, we're revisiting this weird random number, but instead it's oh this was the last episode we finished. Yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. It would have been. So much better with like actually just a more generic plot, like like if they'd gone for something that like I actually didn't care about very much. <laughs> but this one, it, it like it's so it's it's the level of like convolutedness to it that you know it it ends up just be going from like 
yeah, it's a we don't actually care about that much. Um, like the last few episodes have been to like eye rolling. To to us screaming, you brought this guy back? Yeah, yeah. And like and then you brought this guy back and then had five Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is arguably at least three too many. Yeah. I mean, oh. honestly, my favorite, like, my favorite thing is, like, reading your chat yesterday, and it's like, <laughs> is this the stupid voice person? Then, within, like, a minute, oh, God, it is. Uh, I would like it It pointed out that uh, when it was nine episodes, uh, and I did not volunteer for this episode summary so much as was uh, pushed into it for the for the yucks. Uh, I felt the pandemic episode. I'm going to pay for this on DS9, aren't I? Anna's going to assign me, um, God, what? the visitor. Anna's going to make me do the summary for the visitor. Am I? Oh, no. See, I, w- I would say Jude should do this. That's an actually good one. Oh, I thought you were just going to do it to me because you wouldn't see how many times I would cry. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you need to get one of the stinker episodes of deep space nine oh. in an exchange <laughs> like, i mean i feel like i'm just gonna fall that sort a lot uh, <laughs> me all of the the really fun plotty yeah. ones so you get all the the really fun yeah I'm, yeah I'm, I'm gonna take the storyteller <laughs> an episode that like i'm I not even sure is, i but... remember the plot for it <laughs> <laughs> the, wor- the worst part is, Justin, I have basically a photographic memory for Star Trek episodes, so I remember exactly what happens. In- oh, wait, no. Do I get all the do I get all the O'Brien's Must Suffer episodes? <laughs> oh. I love having on-air production meetings. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> oh. And I will say, this episode did bring us one one very good thing, which is shot in that cowboy hat. Damn. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Like she, she, she looks good in that. Uh, we also, yeah. we also mm-hmm. have the the return that look that Harold gets on his face when somebody grabs a very gun in front of him. I love. How is it possible that Harold lives with? I mean, I know he doesn't technically live with Reese, but he has been around Reese for like five years now. His boyfriend's a gun nut. His, <laughs> I don't know what you want to call Reese. His sister from another Mr. Root is a better hacker than he is and also a gun nut. He hung out with, he, he's surrounded by gun nuts and he still acts like it's a goddamn dragon every time somebody pulls out something bigger than a pistol and sometimes he gets that you way know, with a pistol too i i mean i guess it's uncomfortable with guns i mean i just feel like there's a point at which repeated exposure should accustom someone to something say that and yet and yet i mean i've been i've been working my i've been working my office building for how long now and i still am uncomfortable with the fact that the security guards have guns so you know Okay, in fairness, your exposure to their guns is real different from Finch's exposure <laughs> to Reese and Root's guns. 
True. Those true. are two different things. Anyway, it's it's a very funny look that Harold yeah. gets. Yes. And we have the team reunited. And like the, the, the final scene. scene where they're all like back together is so good. And yeah. it's just like Yeah. For all this garbage moments, like I said, the bit where like we see that that Root is just like willing to just go out with Shaw. That's what's if you know if that's what it takes. And the moment where they all see that Shaw's alive and they all just have mm-hmm. that nice moment under the bridge. Those are yeah. really good moments. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's a lot there's a lot of good stuff. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. I, I I just kind of wish that the number plot had actually just been generic. <laughs> well offensively silly. Not not silly, like less offensively bad not bad. It's not even bad not even the right the word. Like overwrought. Yeah. Yeah. It just needed one less pass. It needed like either one more pass in editing or one less pass in editing. <laughs> or one less pass in writing. So, next time will be the penultimate podcast of interest. We will be covering episode 100 and 101, which are season 5, episode 10 and 11, The Day the World Went Away, and Synecdoche. Next time, we are being watched. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share-alike no derivatives license. Music